Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Monday episode for week 19 of the 2024 NBA season. I am your host, Carson. Welcome to the show. Uh, we're getting down to the wire in the NBA season. Of course, we're uh, tightly focused on both the playoff race as well as the award chases. Uh, a lot of exciting stuff. We have an action-packed episode for you. Uh, definitely an episode I couldn't handle alone. I'm thankfully joined by my co-host and good friend, Wyatt. How are you doing today, Wyatt? I'm doing well, Karsten. It's been a minute, and it's good to be back on the podcast. Absolutely. We are glad to have you back, not only for our action-packed episode, but before we dive into that, we have to celebrate a big milestone for us. We're going to start some background music here. It is our 200th episode of the podcast. Wyatt and I are both doing our best disco. I told Wyatt, I thought about doing Celebrate by Cool and the Gang, thought that was a little on the nose so we're going with joanna uh great song great instrumental but why i want to ask you real quick um your thoughts and your feelings when i talk about the podcast as a whole and especially now our 200th episode we're this far into it maybe reflecting on where we've come i don't know your thoughts as we celebrate this milestone yeah it's been a it's been a fun journey i I'm excited to see where it continues to go. I think that we've, in the last year, like so far this season, had a lot of uh, things that have helped us grow since last year and been a lot more efficient. And I think that's going to continue. Absolutely. I, I hope so as well. You know, I, I do think I'm with you. Um, I look back, I, I think I listened to a little bit of some of our first episodes. Um of course, one of our big problems early on was just finding the consistency with the schedule. Um, I think we've gotten a lot better there. But, um, you know, listening to those first episodes, it's like, OK, we want to talk about the bas- about NBA and about basketball. But um, how do we do that? You know, what what's the structure? <laughs> and uh, we kind of found a structure early and we've we've revamped and and refined that as we've gone. And so I think that's been you know, a big, a big change and a big improvement for us. Um, we've added segments, of course. This season, I think, was a big leap as well. Um, restructuring things, you know, I feel like it's been a, a very successful um, second season so far. You know, I, we've also been talking about, we shared some of the, the numbers uh, from both of the, well, I say both because RSS.com, they do a great job, not a plug or anything, um, but... They do a great job broadcasting and, and posting the podcast on all sorts of different streaming platforms. So we have some analytics from there. We've had some surprising listening numbers. So uh, we want to thank all of you out there who have been tuning in, consistent listeners. Um, we can't thank you guys enough. Um, of course, we've also grown our <laughs> social media platforms. Um, we've created the YouTube channel, which I think... I'm hoping, and I'm sure Wyatt agrees with me here, that we can add some, you know, bonus content there, maybe do some more video type things. Right now, it's mainly just audio from our podcast episodes, Um, but we've got that. We've got the socials. We've got all these different places where you're able to listen in. We're probably going to continue to expand as much as we can, um, and we're going to continue to grow the, the listening audience. So. Um, again, thank you, everyone listening. Why any closing thoughts on that before we jump into uh, the episode itself? Uh, not really. I, yesterday, I 
<laughs> it was my 200 day streak in Duolingo. How about that? <laughs> so, it's funny. It's funny that they happened at the same <clears throat> time. <laughs> there we go. It's it's a sign. It's a good sign. 200s all around. Yeah. Um, we have 30 seconds left. I'll let it wind down a little bit because I'd rather it fade out than than completely cut out. Um, if I had to talk about where we're going with the future of the podcast, definitely um, look out for us to continue to improve production value. I think that'll be a big thing. Um, again, video podcast could be on the horizon. It's something we'll certainly consider if it makes sense for the podcast. Um, otherwise, stay tuned. We have a lot of ideas we're workshopping. Um, but as we let that fade out, we're going to go ahead and dive into the episode proper. And we will start that with our game summaries and our our key news from the last uh, weekend of NBA action. All right, a pretty exciting weekend, as is the case pretty much all all weekends in the NBA. Um, And we're going to start with... Uh, A few games from Friday night, we're focusing on a lot of those, a lot of key matchups as we're getting back into the the playoff type race. Um, And I'm going to start us with a game in the Eastern Conference between uh, two teams on uh, some varying courses. Seems almost like as one has slumped, (laughs) the other has started to to pick up their level of play. Um, But the uh, Philadelphia 76ers hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Sixers, of course, without Joel Embiid have struggled. More often than not, the Cavs have been on uh, a recent hot streak, um, struggling over the last couple of games, um, and the Sixers continued that, actually. Uh, Sixers getting the win at home against the tough Cavs team down to the wire game, uh, but the Sixers win at 104-97. to um, This is the third loss in the last four games for Cleveland, which, again, is surprising. The narrative, and uh, certainly a true narrative that we've talked about over the last several weeks going into the All-Star break, Um, especially was the hot streak that they had rising up the Eastern Conference ranks. And of course, Embiid, the storyline with Philly, but Philly able to get the win here, a big one for them in their, uh, you know, their hopes to maintain a a good seating in the Eastern Conference uh, for Embiid to return to the team. And then they'll see what they can do in the playoffs. Uh, But yeah, down to the wire game, uh, Sixers led for most of the second half, but the Cavs always kept it close. Um, They had some, some big uh, shots to, to keep themselves having a chance, um, but just not enough of a chance as the, the Sixers are able to get some key buckets from both Tyrese Maxey, uh, as well as a big three from Buddy Heald to make sure they, they kept the lead. Maxey, in particular, 15 of his 24 points came in the fourth quarter, uh, so definitely showing some some big game chops in this one. As far as box scores, we'll start with the Cavs. Um, they were led by Jarrett Allen, 24 points for him, along with nine rebounds and a block. He was joined by Darius Garland, 20 points and nine assists, as well as two steals. Uh, and then the other double-figure scores for them, Max Struess with 14 points, six assists, as well as two steals and a block, showing the two-way play. Struess, of course, known as more of just a three-point shooter, um, showing some versatility there. And finally, finally, Isaac Okoro, 11 points for him. Meanwhile, the Sixers, yes, Maxi with 24 points, as well as seven rebounds, five assists, and two steals. Uh, pretty solid all-round game, if not the highest scoring numbers, uh, but winning numbers, certainly. Uh, they got 16 points off the bench from Cameron Payne. Uh, like to see that. Again, he's a guy I advocate for as a, a good guard to have coming off the bench. 
then they had 15 from Tobias Harris, who also had nine rebounds, two steals, uh, 13 from Buddy Heald, uh, and then 10 points, five boards for Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, so, again, neither team really uh, burning down the, the record books with high-scoring offense in this, uh, but they got they got good production on both sides. Uh, again, close game, but the Sixers able to, to get the win thanks to big play from their emergent star, first-time All-Star, and a likely leader in the most improved player race in Tyrese Maxey. So big uh, big win for the Sixers. I'll go ahead and send it over to Wyatt for our next game from Friday night. Yeah, so we're going to look at uh, the Heat and Pelicans game, which was uh, uh, a firing one, uh, to say the least, fitting for uh, the Heat being involved. Mm-hmm. Although this one was in New Orleans. Uh, so ultimately, the Heat came away with the win here. Uh, they won 106 to 95. But there was a bit of an altercation that kind of made uh, for the the sparks that I mentioned here. It was kind of a, I mean, the day the game was predominantly dominant. They led for uh, most of it, except for early in the third quarter and early in the fourth quarter when the Pelicans got a brief lead. Uh, and. I, it was early in the fourth, I believe, that this altercation happened. Is that correct, Karsten? I believe so. I want to say it was like 10-minute mark of the yeah. fourth quarter. Yeah, so it was 80-84. to 84, uh, Heat were leading. And the the um, Pelicans, they drive. I'm not sure who it was. Um, Williamson grabs the board. Goes up again, airballs it, and mm. Butler gets the rebound and starts coming the other way. But uh, Williamson gets, steals it from him mm. and goes up again. And Love, who's still Kevin Love, who's still under the basket, just kind of uh, bear hugs Williamson a little bit. Kind of a classic, like old man ball. Like mm. you're not gonna like it's a soft foul, but it's also like yeah, there's no way you're gonna get this bucket because I'm like bear hugging you. You know, yeah, it, it's like that's... I'm I'm gonna stop the basket, but it wasn't the dirtiest play in the world. No, far far from it. I I would say that, you know, at least in my experience playing basketball, this is kind of like a this is your obvious foul that, but it's soft and kind of you know a, a mm-hmm. classic old man foul, like I said, and and so Williamson flops a little bit, kind of falls on the ground like he'd been tackled, mm-hmm. and then Butler and. Marshall kind of start shoving each other a little bit. And then this whole shoving fight ensues where everyone's shoving each other and barking at each other. And then, and then it kind of fizzles up to get it controlled and the refs are like reviewing it. And then by the table, you see uh, (laughs) Alvarado and uh, who was the other guy? It was uh, Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant, yeah. They they go at <laughs> it, and Alvarado ends up punching uh, Bryant like in the face, <laughs> and yeah, it was, and and then uh, Valanciunas kind of jumps in there, and it looks like he's throwing a punch, but I think on review they decide he wasn't. Uh, he yeah. didn't actually throw a punch, but the initial clip they. Thought he was kind of jumping in 
throwing a big old haymaker or something. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he's just jumping in to intervene. Yeah, the announcers, the heat announcers were like, oh, Valanchunas with a haymaker. And um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it, it's so funny in those moments where, you know, the alter, the initial altercation had fizzled out. Everyone is still watching that group, that first group. And then for some reason, Alvarado and Bryant, they weren't in the game. They weren't, they were both on the bench and they go to the scores table, meet each other. And then they start the whole fight again. And like, no one was watching them. And then suddenly it's like, oh, wait a minute. This is happening. Yeah. And then it just chaos ensues again. And Mm. obviously that leads to a bunch of uh, uh, ejections and fines and stuff that we'll talk about later. Mm. But you know, exciting times. Uh, yeah, getting into the actual like gameplay. Uh, it was obviously a tight race. You know, the they ended up walking away with a eleven point lead, but um, it was pretty even, really. The mm. Pelicans led in rebounds, fifty four to forty six, and the Heat led in blocks, eleven to seven. Mm. But the the Heat really kind of edged them out on shooting percentages. That was their big thing. You know, 46 from the field uh, compared to the Pelicans, 37. And then forty, almost 45 from the three-point line compared to the Pelicans' abysmal 22. Hmm. So, you know, the shots just weren't falling uh, in New Orleans for the Pelicans. If we look at the box score and see who the top kind of contributors were, Let's start with the the Pelicans. We've got uh, Zion Williamson, who led with 23. Uh, Herbert Jones had 19. Well, I should say, in addition to Zion's 23, he also had seven assists and nine rebounds. So he wasn't just scoring. He uh, Mm -hmm. played a pretty uh, well-rounded game. And then he got that steal that, of course, led to the uh, confrontation, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Herbert Jones followed with 19. He also had five rebounds and two assists. Uh, and he was 100% from the three-point line, a whole one-for-one. One. So There you go. <laughs> he didn't contribute to their poor shooting percentage. And he actually he shot well from the field, too, eight for ten. So uh, he actually did have a good shooting night. And Zion Williamson shot pretty well, too, nine out of 22, so 41%. Mm-hmm. Um Following them, Jordan Hawkins had 14. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas had 12. And then Larry Nance Jr. had 10. Uh, So not not huge numbers being put up by anyone. Uh, Even Williamson and Jones didn't have crazy uh, big nights. But, you know, 23 and 19, especially for, you know, Jones. I think that's kind of a high-scoring game for him. So, good job to them. Wish that the uh, fight hadn't happened, entertaining though it may be. Mm. Uh, And then let's jump up to the Heat. They kind of had a similar uh, showing as far as points. They were led by Bam Adebayo with 24, and then Jimmy Butler at the number two uh, with 23. Mm. But then their, their third and fourth guys contributed a little bit more than uh, and on the Pelicans, they had Duncan Robinson with 17, Tyler Hero with 15. Uh, Hero shot three for five from the three-point line, and Robinson was five for 11 from the three-point line. 
Mm. So that contributed greatly. Bam, he you know shot 11 of 18 from the field, also threw in seven rebounds, assist, and a steal, and three blocks. Mm. Uh, Butler contributed six assists and three steals, a block, and nine rebounds. <clears throat> I mean, th- these guys, their leaders were leading in a lot more than just scoring. Uh, so that's always... It's always good to see from a team standpoint that your your stars are doing it all. Makes you feel good for where you've invested your money. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think other than that, you know, these two teams are both fighting for a decent spot in the playoffs. I mean, everyone is really, but these both of these teams are kind of sitting uh, right on the edge of play in versus solid play. Actually, I think they're both. Yeah, they are. They are both seventh in their respective. Good point. Uh, divisions, so or conferences, so uh, you know that everyone counts for it now for these guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, great point. I hadn't even really thought about that when I was picking this matchup. Of course, I, uh, you know, figured the the altercation was a big storyline, but absolutely, both teams being right, pretty much smack in the middle of their conference. Um, <clears throat> playing is going to be, you know, playing is fine. But the they would of course prefer to be just fully locked in playoffs, not have to deal with the extra games because you know playoff time, any additional games you have to play are going to matter in terms of the mileage. Um, you know, and both teams mm-hmm. have struggled with injury, you know, injuries derailing um, playoff hopes in a sense. So uh, th- that'll certainly matter as well. Um, but yeah, no, great job. I definitely my quick thoughts on the game before we move on um, kind of felt like a nineties game uh, or early two thousands game with that physicality, but they just, some of their shot attempts were th- more threes than maybe you'd expect with one of those games. Otherwise low scoring fighting. Yeah, true. All that kind of stuff. So no, yeah, very exciting game uh, as was the last game from Friday that we're going to dive into real quick. The, uh, Milwaukee Bucks traveling to Minnesota to face the Timberwolves. Of course, the Bucks have been a team, uh, a very much scrutinized team this season. Um, kind of the hot topic of what's going wrong with Milwaukee. And uh, they were, oh, I don't know, it was like three and eight or something to that effect with Doc Rivers going into the All-Star break. Um, coming out of the break, though, they've been a much better team. And that included this win against uh, perhaps the top team in the West, uh, as we'll get into that race is very hotly contested, but the Bucks get the win into Minnesota on the road, one twelve to one hundred seven in this one. Big win for the Bucks as they look to to turn things around. It, it's funny because the Bucks are still one of the top seeded teams in the East, but when you have Lillard and Giannis, and the expectation from the jump is we want to compete for championships, that sets the bar so high. You know that's where that conversation comes in. But regardless. Big win for them, a big part of that, their third quarter run, uh, a 36 to 13 third quarter, including 20 to two at one point. Um, big plays from Leek Beasley with the three point shot, um, getting Giannis open opportunities in the transition game. Um, they're able to build a huge lead and credit to Minnesota as well. They chipped that lead right back down. They had it within five points uh, in the final minutes, but Lillard with a, a big sidestep. Uh, you know, step back mid range shot to kind of ice the game uh, within the last 10 seconds or so. So, back and forth jabs between 
two great teams, certainly, um, but a big momentum type win for the Bucks against a team like Minnesota that has been so stellar. And we, we look at the breakdown of individual stats. I mean, very close. Timberwolves a little bit better on the boards, but the Bucks shot just a slight bit better from from the floor um, and from the free throw line. So those are perhaps the things that helped make the difference as well as less turnovers. You know, they were just a little bit sharper, especially in that second half, because um, the game was tied multiple times before that. Um, I mean, there was well, there was four times it was tied, but 10 different lead changes. A lot of those early third quarters. So it was really anyone's game until that huge Milwaukee run. So a lot of credit to them uh, for, for pulling that off for the Timberwolves. As far as box scores are concerned, they were led by Anthony Edwards, 28 points for him, uh, as well as nine rebounds five assists. He had some clutch threes towards the end to make it a game. Um, really showing a lot of moxie in that one. But again, Bucks able to come up big in response. Carl Anthony Towns with 22 points, 14 rebounds in this one. Uh, and then Gobert, 12 points, 19 rebounds and two blocks. Big rebounding night for, for the both of them. Of course, we know they've been great as a tandem this season. Uh, they also got 13 off the bench from Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So, now, those were the great performers for the Timberwolves. And meanwhile, for the Bucks, uh, Giannis led them in scoring 33 points, 13 rebounds, and five assists. How about 21 free throw attempts for Giannis, making 14 of them, uh, shooting about 67%. Not a bad percentage for him, um, but man, that is a lot of attempts. Uh, and he accounted for more than 80% of the team's free throw attempts. The others were all attempted by Damian Lillard. Uh, Lillard had 21 points. Near triple-double for Lillard. Ten assists, nine rebounds, uh, two steals, and a block as well. Um, Lillard, not the greatest percentage shooting night, but again, in the end, it didn't really matter. Uh, Brooke Lopez, 16 points, and then 14 each from both Malik Beasley and Bobby Portis. Of course, Portis's points coming off the bench. So, um, huge game. Um, again, big statement, kind of a win against a tough Minnesota team and and those are the games from Friday that we want to dive in a little bit more deeply on uh, real quick we'll cover the rest of the Friday games as well before talking about Saturday uh, starting with the Raptors they won in Atlanta against the Hawks 123 to 121 your final there um, the Oklahoma City Thunder won big at home against the Washington Wizards 147 to 106 uh, that is a high the, the Thunder set up their they had their highest scoring half they had 80 points and a half and their highest scoring game of the season. Both of those marks um, against the Wizards, a little bit of a hapless team this season, um, but a big offensive night for the Thunder. Next, the Clippers won in Memphis against the Grizzlies, 101 to 95, your final. Uh, the Houston Rockets won at home against the Phoenix Suns, 114 to 110. Side note from that game, uh, Kevin Durant of the Phoenix Suns with a 28-point night did move into ninth place on the all-time scoring list, uh, passing Carmelo Anthony. Uh, so he is, I think, next up in eighth was, oh, I can't even remember who was in eighth. Um, but it was something like a 300-point gap. Uh, it was Shaq. Man, why can't I remember Shaq? Um, yeah, so he's within, I think, 300 points of Shaq with his uh, career scoring average. That would take him about 11 games. Uh, so he'll be nearing that as well. Of course, Durant, not the only person with scoring milestones to watch for. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later as well. Um, then the Denver Nuggets won in Portland against the Trailblazers, 127 to 112, your final. 
Jokic, 29 points, 15 rebounds, and 14 assists. Yet another triple-double for the MVP caliber big man. Uh, the uh, Golden State Warriors won at home against the Charlotte Hornets, 97-84. Uh, good win for Golden State, but uh, first of all, low offensive production from both teams. Uh, certainly a note. Um, I think Curry had like 15 points, Steph Curry, that is. Um, and I needed to clarify that because, of course, the big storyline from that game was Curry versus Seth Curry. Um, and to top it off, the Golden, uh, the Charlotte Hornets color commentator is their father, Del Curry. So you had all three Currys um, either playing or calling the game, which is phenomenal. Can you imagine, like, a, as a father, you're commentary, doing commentary on a game at the NBA level where your two sons are playing on opposite on on the the two teams. I mean, that is. I wonder wild. if he had an obvious favorite. You know, that's a good question. Um, I would imagine <laughs> um, he's probably going to, you know, I mean, Seth's the youngest, so there's that, but also he's the Hornets commentator and he played for the Hornets. So he probably, you know, was, oh, you know, home Homer for the Hornets a little bit, but uh, you know, either way, mm-hmm. I'm sure he's, he's immensely proud and, and who wouldn't be, I mean, that's such a cool, cool thing to be able to hang your hat on. Um and then finally, the uh, Los Angeles Lakers won at home against the San Antonio Spurs, one twenty three to one eighteen. LeBron versus Wemby, of course, big uh, storyline there. Wemby with some big stats in this game, uh, a five by five game, meaning five of uh, at least five points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. Of course, the steals and the blocks is what makes it really impressive. Um, not really that hard in a lot of cases to get five points. Uh, five boards, five assists, you know, some challenge there, but the, the steals and the blocks, that's immense numbers. When Minyama did it, 27 points, 10 boards, eight assists with five steals, five blocks um, while making three three-pointers. So even more versatile, um, but he became both the youngest to have a five-by-five five game. And he also did it in the fewest minutes playing uh, just under 31 minutes in the game. So, Phenomenal stuff. Also worth noting the previous game, he almost had a five by five game. He was one assist shy. So he nearly had the back to back five by fives. And then additionally, he joined Michael Jordan as the only players uh, with back to back five steal and five block games. So again, it's like the storyline every week, either Wemby, Jokic, uh, or, you know, maybe Luca. Those guys are always about, oh, what unique stat did they break a record for or set a new category? Um, and Wemby with as young as he is, it's just always impressive to see that. Um, but the Lakers win LeBron with 30, um, as I kind of alluded to with the Durant discussion, LeBron nearing the 40,000, uh, point mark for his career, which of course would be setting a new plateau that will be a big storyline who can ever pass that mark. Um, I think he's nearing that, uh, why I don't know if you have if you would have that pulled yeah, up. seventy four points away, seventy four. So it'll probably be yeah. uh, within the next week or two that he reaches that mark. I mean that's on um, you know if he's if he's within there you we know what he did when he was within range of the Kareem record. He's gonna you know elevate his play, and you know certainly the ball is gonna go to him. Um, so yeah, nearing that mark. Wyatt, thank you for being for being prepped. I'm glad you 
I, I didn't really prepare oh, yeah. Wyatt as well as I could have, but he he picked up what I was putting down. And so, uh, <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, but those were the, uh, the Friday games. So let's go ahead and jump to Saturday, uh, a small three game slate of games. We have one game that we're diving into from Saturday. Wyatt, go ahead and take it away uh, with that Saturday game. Yeah. So we're going to jump into another game that also had a big third quarter, third quarter run like uh, uh, that game. Karsten discussed mm-hmm. with the Bucks and the Timberwolves. This is, the Celtics and the Knicks. So another great uh, team in the East versus, you know, well, a third one. I mean, the Knicks have really kind of been showing their stuff lately. They've mm-hmm. been playing well. But Celtics, obviously, they're the dominant uh, team in the league right now, with the best record and all that stuff. And they, they showed it tonight. They came out, came away with the win 116-102. to 102. And they had a 21 and five third quarter run. The game up until that point had been, you know, pretty even. The the Knicks led for most of the first quarter, and then the Celtics kind of took over near the end of the first. Uh, but they never got more than 10 points ahead of the Knicks. Um, and the Knicks, you know, fought back. And shortly after halftime, they had tied it again. And that was when the, the run began. And the, uh, you know, Boston just elevated up to a 20-point lead by the, near the end of the third quarter. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, tough to, it's tough to come back from a run like that that late in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Karsten mentioned, the Timberwolves almost did. The the Knicks weren't as fortunate. They they never got within uh the the closest they got was eight uh throughout the rest of the game. But then again the Boston reached a twenty point lead uh later in the fourth quarter. Uh and you know, of course ended up winning by sixteen or fourteen. Um with some stellar performances uh on both sides of the the ball, but uh, I got a I got a comment on the Celtics defense here. <clears throat> they were really impressive. They had eight steals uh, as a team compared to the Knicks one, four blocks compared to the Knicks three. So not a huge, um, you know, deficit there. But then their shooting was also uh, pretty stellar: fifty-seven percent from the field, forty-three from three, uh, and then. Their free throw wasn't as impressive, only 75% compared to the, the uh, Knicks, 94. But uh, great performance uh, by the by the Boston Celtics. It's easy to see why they're <clears throat> playing so well and have the record that they do when you have numbers like this and the personnel behind it. Mm. So if we dive into the personnel and the box score, we'll start out with the Knicks, Jalen Brunson led uh, the Knicks, and he led them well. He had a very strong performance, 34 points, 12 for 25 from the field, 4 for 9 from the 3, made all six of his free throws, uh, three rebounds, nine assists, and a steal. Uh, stellar performance. I don't feel like you can ask for much more than that uh, by Jalen Brunson. 
And, you know, he was really kind of out there in the lead on his own. The next highest score was Josh Hart with 16. He also contributed eight rebounds and six assists. Uh, decent shooting from him. Also six for 10 from the field, two for five from the three. Dante DeVin- DeVincenzo had 12. He uh two rebounds, four assists. Oh, sorry, four rebounds, zero assists. He was he had two offensive and two defensive rebounds. And then Miles McBride had eleven points, uh, one assist. Those are all your double digit scores for the Knicks. Jumping over to Boston, they were led by uh, Jalen Brown, who had thirty points. He also had three assists, a steal, and eight rebounds. He uh, shot well, shooting 13 out of 24 from the field, three for nine from three. Uh, And then they had just a huge group of uh, people in double digits following Brown. Uh, Porzingis had 22 and four assists and four rebounds and a block. Tatum had 19 a block, two steals, six assists, and six rebounds. Drew Holiday, 12 points, six assists, two steals, a block, uh, one rebound. Derek White, 13 points, two steals, six assists, three rebounds. And Al Horford, 10 points, um, one block, seven rebounds. So it's hard to... uh, it's hard to beat a team that can that has so many options, you know, offensively, so many uh, great offensive forces that, you know, like I mentioned with the Heat, they are performing in uh, so many different categories. So Celtics are going to be tough this year. Obviously, they have been already, but uh, talking playoffs, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Absolutely. As I mean, we expect them to be every year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we expect that. Um, but th- you got to admit, this year has felt a little bit different. Um, of course, for the last, you know, from the beginning of the year, basically until now, the Celtics have been the top team, um, but they haven't really rested on that. Um, and as is evident with the eight straight wins, you know, uh, they've almost been even getting better. Um, I mean, it was kind of later in the off season that they made the, the drew holiday move and brought him in. Of course, he's been such a big part of their success. Um, and we've talked about it before. You love to see the defensive numbers. I feel like that's a, an underrated part of their success. The team defense, what drew holiday does defensively, what Derek white does. Um, yeah, they're just phenomenal. Um, did you, I, I apologize for asking cause it sounds like I'm not paying attention, but did you mention yeah, the Jalen no, go Brunson? ahead and comment on, the, the Brunson stat, I didn't. yeah. Um, just to credit, you know, Jalen Brunson and what he's able to do, uh, what he's meant for the Knicks lately. And it goes to what I talked about with him in the Knicks franchise focus. Um, how about how about this stat? The Jalen Brunson, the first New York Knicks since Richie Guerin. Again, we talked him on the franchise focus, the great Knicks star from the, the late 50s, early 60s. First Knicks since Richie Guerin with 500 or more points and 100 or more assists over a 15-game span. He has just been sensational. And that's where I go when I'm talking about the Knicks future. Brunson being kind of the alpha, the star. Randall being a fantastic 
you know, co-alpha maybe or, or co-star, if you will, because they're both great. The Knicks are going to be good right now. The story for this game felt like, you know, they just have so many guys injured. They have their whole front court on an OB through Randall and, and Robinson. All three of those guys are out. So you're playing with yeah. a limited deck. So definitely worth noting, but absolutely credit to Boston. They were locked in, you know, even if New York had their full team, you you think Boston still has a great chance to win that game because, because they've been stellar. Um, so yeah, great. You know, you covered it well, Wyatt, great job um, to the Celtics for winning that one. Um, as far as the other two games from Saturday night, real quick, um, the Orlando magic one in Detroit against the Pistons, 112 to 109, those final three points, uh, some clutch gene on the, the hand of Paolo Bancaro. Um, and he had an off game. Actually, he's had an off last couple of games um, due to the fact that he's dealing with illness. He's been listed day to day. Really did not have a great game in this one um, or the, the previous game, but they were able to win both. Uh, they had beat the clip, the Cavaliers in the previous game, and then they win this one thanks to a Bancaro a game winner uh, kind of goes for a, a step back or a pull up um, Jalen Duran's right there on him. So it's a contested shot, kind of a bad shot almost if you, you know, I mean, he, but he, he makes a tough shot. You give him credit. He gets the end one off the Duran foul and, and he's able to get the win for the magic. Um, so credit to him fighting through that kind of stuff that it's that stuff along with the numbers he's put up when he's fully healthy and everything. I, I don't get why Bancaro doesn't get more hype. I mean, he's one of the more underrated, underhyped first overall picks and rookie of the year guys that I can remember. I mean, of course, Wemby uh, superseding him is a big part of that, but the Magic are good and Bancaro is <laughs> yeah. part of that. And so I wish he would get more credit, but a big, big shot for him. And then the, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves got back in the win column real quick uh, with a 101. Uh, to 86 win at home against the, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and uh, those are the other Saturday games. We'll wrap up our, our weekend coverage with Sunday night. And our, our final game that we're going more in depth on is a rematch of a classic from last season. Uh, the Kings and the Clippers in Los Angeles. They had a double overtime game last season. That was one of the, again, a classic. It was one of the most memorable games of last season. And uh, we're going uh, we had a rematch. It was almost a year to the day or something like that. It was around the same time of year. Um, this time around the Kings in Los Angeles, they get the win. They might've won it last year too. Um, but the, the Kings win 123 to 107 uh, in Los Angeles against the Clippers. Not quite the the double overtime game, but still uh, a, a notable game. Of course, also because these teams are right in the thick of it in that crazy Western conference race. Um, but not as close in the sense that, you know, within five or so for much of the first half. And then the Kings had a good run to end the first half and begin the second half. They built the lead up to as much as 18. Um, Clippers made a bit of a run, but then they, they won by, uh, about 16 points here. So, uh, you know, Kings big second half really kind of, uh, sealed the win for them. Uh, they they didn't turn the ball over as much. They were a better distributing team, and they shot the ball much better from from three point range. So certainly some factors that aided the Kings in this game. Uh, as far as box scores go for the Clippers, all five starters and double figures still very impressive. Uh, they were led by Norman Powell this time around, starting in place 
of uh, Paul George, who was out for this game. Uh, certainly a factor as well, but Norman Powell, 21 points in this game, five of nine from three. They got 20 points from both Kawhi Leonard and James Harden. Harden, a bit of a rough shooting night, 30% from the floor, two of 10 from three, um, but he did have eight assists as well as five rebounds. Uh, Kawhi with eight boards and four steals uh, as well as a block. So showing that defensive player of the year uh, level of play that we expect from Kawhi. Then we got 16 points, six boards from Evita Zubats, and then 14 points from Terrence Mann. So starters really did a great job. Westbrook with eight points off the bench. He he really has seemed to struggle over the last month or so, um, which is definitely not fun to see. Um, otherwise, the Clippers have still been winning, um, but not able to pull it out in this one. You look at the Kings, though. They were led by De'Aaron Fox, 33 points, off seven assists, six rebounds, three steals as well, uh, nine of 10 from the free throw line. Then they got 22 points from Harrison Barnes. Uh, continues to be very effective, uh, even as he's getting a little bit older. Four of seven from three. Um, the sophomore Keegan Murray, 11 points on three of seven shooting from three. They got 15 from Kevin Herter, 12 off the bench from their sixth man of the year, hopeful Malik Monk. And then uh, to top it all off, Demonis Abonis, 17 points, 15 rebounds, and 12 assists. Of course, he took over the lead from Jokic as far as league leader in triple doubles. He is the sixth player in NBA history with 20 or more triple doubles in a season. So very impressive stuff as the Kings continue to win. Wow. I'd like to see Sabonis be in the MVP conversation. Um, could be a, a tall order. It'll be a, a, a hotly contested race. Um, but yeah, very impressive numbers for, for Sabonis to be in. And uh, that's our last big game we're diving into. Why any closing thoughts on that game before we cover the rest of those uh, Saturday night or Sunday night games? No, I, I'll admit I I've been sleeping on Sabonis a little bit. So that's great to hear that he's having such a stellar year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a lot of people have um perhaps not really to their fault just because the Kings have been good, but not I mean it's not like the the Cinderella story or the the feel good story it was last year. You know, they've already broke the streak now. They're an expected playoff team, um but they haven't been a top Western conference team. So they get kind of lost in the storyline mix of things. Um, but yeah, definitely they, yeah. they've been a better team. We'll talk about them with power rankings as well. Uh, as far as our remaining games from Sunday, uh, the Milwaukee bucks continued their winning ways in Philadelphia against the 76ers, 119 to 98. Your final there, Giannis with a near triple double in that game, uh, 30 points, 12 boards and nine assists and doc rivers, victorious in his return to Philadelphia. Of course, the last place he had coached prior to uh, the the brief, the brief respite before the Milwaukee job. Uh, next, the Phoenix Suns won at home against the Los Angeles Lakers, 123 to 113. Uh, Durant versus LeBron showdown there, uh, and Durant able to come up with the win. How about Nurkic, 22 rebounds in that game. Uh, very impressive stuff for him. Uh, the Indiana Pacers won at home against the Dallas Mavericks, 133 to 111. Uh, Luca and Miles Turner with 33 points each to lead their teams. Um, Rick Carlisle victorious against a team that he coached for a long time in the Mavericks. Um, but for Indy, this is their uh, 100. This is their 19th game with 130 points or more scored, which is uh, a league best mark. Uh, more importantly, they're 17 and two in those games. So 
when they have these offensive nights, that's when they're at their best. And they had it again here against the top Mavericks team. Uh, they ended Ma- the Dallas Mavericks seven game win streak. So hugely impressive. You could argue this could have been a game we covered, um, but just didn't quite happen. But uh, again, big win for the Pacers there. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers won in Washington against the Wizards, 114-105, to 105, your final. Uh, Jared Allen with a double-double in that game. Uh, the Denver Nuggets continued their uh, recent win streak against the Warriors uh, in Golden State this time around, 119-103, to 103, your final. Nicole Jokic, huge game, 32 points, 16 rebounds, and 16 assists. With that stat line, he becomes the first ever with 14 or more rebounds and 14 or more assists in three straight games. Again, Jokic, one of those guys seems like most, most weeks or every few weeks, he's in that record category. Um, He's sensational. You know, I don't know if we appreciate Jokic enough now as a a champion, as well as an MVP. Um, The Chicago Bulls won in New Orleans against the Pelicans, 114 to 106. Nikola Vucevic with a double, double. That is his 500th career double double so that's pretty impressive wow for you forget how long he's been in the league and then you see a stat like that and say wow he's he's been around a long time and he's been playing at a high level for a long time as well um so that was a cool stat to see um for the oklahoma city thunder uh they won in houston against the rockets 123 to 110 your final uh that is a fifth straight win for the thunder and chet holmgren set some NBA history in this game. He became the first player, not even rookie, first player with 150 or more blocks, 150 or more assists, and 100 threes in a season. Of course, having that many blocks, assists, and threes is quite the unique combination. Wemby getting a touch more hype, but Holmgren putting up those numbers on a winning team shows you how impressive he has been and to his credit, I, I kind of wondered why the race was so tight. That's why, because he has been sensational in his own right. So props to to uh, Chet Holmgren there. Um, this win officially tied the Thunder with the Timberwolves for the West's top spot and top record. Their season series, I believe, is tied as well, but technically the Timberwolves have the tiebreaker with the better division record. So that Western Conference race is going to be down to the wire, it seems, the rest of the way. Uh, so that'll certainly be a storyline yeah. that we will be we'll be talking about a lot. Um, next, the Atlanta Hawks won at home against the Orlando Magic, 109-92. to Near triple-double for DeJounte Murray, 25 points, 11 assists, and 9 rebounds. He'll have to carry a lot of weight uh, over the next few weeks. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, the Utah Jazz won at home, thankfully, against the San Antonio Spurs. 128 to 109, your final. Um, the Jazz ended their five-game losing streak, and they're hoping that this is a a turn a, a corner they can turn and start getting back to the the winning basketball they played kind of in December, beginning of January. Um, the Charlotte Hornets won in Portland against the Trailblazers, 93 to 80. They are now five and one since their trade deadline acquisitions of Grant Williams, Seth Curry. Uh, Terrence Mann and Davis Bertans join the team. And uh, that takes care of the rest of our Sunday games. So again, a lot of games uh, to cover, a lot of exciting games uh, from this past weekend. We'll real quick dive into our key news as well to make sure we cover that, uh, starting with the latest transactions. 
the Chicago Bulls signed guard Andrew Funk to a two-way contract uh, to fill the spot uh, avoided from their the recent conversion of the the Turkish uh, swingman's spot. Um, I'm avoiding pronoun- pronouncing his name because I know I'll butcher it. Um, for the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, they made a bunch of moves. Firstly, they signed guard Jordan Goodwin to a two-way contract. He had been on a 10-day previously, but they bring him in a little more long-term. Um, they signed forward Matthew Hurt to a 10-day contract. And to clear up the spot for Goodwin, they waived guard Jacob Gilliard, who was on a two-way deal. So uh, a lot of pieces there in Memphis moving. And then finally, the Cleveland Cavaliers signed guard Sharif Cooper to a 10-day contract. So those were your transactions. Um, next up, this is, as I've mentioned to Wyatt, this is a news item I was waiting for, for, oh, how long would it be? Almost 10 years at this point. I want to say it was 2015 that the Clippers unveiled the, um, uniforms that they've been wearing up to this point, basically with the, uh, the, I don't want to say modern aesthetic cause that's very vague. Um, but it was a, a simplified aesthetic. Uh, they brought in black as a, a, a leading color. They had the LAC um, interlocking letters within the basketball. Um, a look I have not been a fan of. And I've probably mentioned that a couple times on the podcast. Um, but they finally rectified it. Um, Wyatt knows how excited I am about this. The Clippers announced <laughs> their new logos, court, and uniforms for this very next season. Uh, the 2024-2025 NBA season, just in time for their move into their new arena as well, the Intuit Dome. Um, Of course, in the 2026 season, they'll host the All-Star Weekend. So a lot of exciting changes for a Clippers team that has been a team on the up and up. So very exciting stuff. I recommend going to the Clippers website to get the full breakdown of the uniforms and the design emphasis around it. just talking about it, the, the main logo involves a clipper ship. Um, Wyatt, like many others, uh, for for them, that yeah. was the first time realizing that Clippers, the name, comes from a type of ship. Um, of course, it was first when the team moved out from Buffalo to San Diego. They were named the Clippers, so it would fit the uh, you know the location. And the name has persisted. Um, and the this is the first time, really, that since San, the San Diego days that the logo involves some sort of a nautical theme. First time the logo actually shows a ship. The closest he got was those, those San Diego Clippers days where it had the, the sails, which is a great logo, but this one is good. It involves the compass rose as well. It's got a basketball in there. Um, the fonts you have the cursive script um, for the cool. most part from the, you know, much of the nineties through the, the early 2010s. Uh, the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin days, but you also have um, a, a secondary font that I believe they said comes from, uh, was it Navy or something like that? Um, the, the, I don't know if it was the Navy or something else where that font in particular came from. As far as the uniforms, they're going to go with Navy as the primary color, red is the secondary color. And then they've got like a light blue and a gray as an accent. It's ba- it's a mix of the Chris Paul Blake Griffin uniforms with a real thin side stripe, and then it's got some some very simple uh, striping, traditional striping on the side. Um, they went clean. I don't think they went bland with it at all, especially that statement uniform, 
which is red. It's got the big nautical flags on the side. It's a fantastic look. I was telling why I think it's one of the better redesigns over the last few years. I think it's a fantastic look for the Clippers. I'm so excited for them. I can I can finally feel good about them winning if they have good uniforms. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Um, some people on social media I saw were like nitpicking and they didn't like the logo. And I don't know. I think it's a, a great set. Why? What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I like it. Like like Karsten mentioned, I was educated uh, by their nautical nature. And mm. I think it's... Uh, cool that more more people are going to realize why why they have the name that they do and then just the the cool uh references to uh nautical things that they had in the jersey was fun the like Karsten mentioned the end on the compass and there's like the basketball lines on the hull of their ship and stuff like that mm-hmm. i think it'll be a fun new look yeah absolutely well and i think that's the biz- biggest success because it utilizes the name. I mean, you look at for so long in their history, and this was how I described it to Wyatt. They were either off-brand Lakers or they were off-brand basketball team. And now they actually have a, you know, a nautical look. They fit the name. People know what it is. Um, I will say though, the the one post I saw online of the Clipper logo, the, the newest logo, but in the center was a pair of nail clippers. That was kind of funny, but <laughs> um, anyways, no, I'm, I'm excited about the new look. I think that's going to be great. Um, an extension for well-deserved extension for a head coach, uh, for the golden state warriors, Steve Kerr and the warriors have agreed to a contract extension for two years, $35 million. He will be, uh, with that contract, he'll be the highest paid coach in league history. Hard to argue that in terms of at this point where the league is more profitable than ever, he's the league's best coach right now, arguably him or Eric Spolstra. Um, of course, Popovich legacy wise, um, but well-deserved uh, congratulations to head coach Kerr. Um, some updates on the altercation, the heat Pelicans altercation. We mentioned, of course, there was some, uh, some fines and suspensions, mainly suspensions. Uh, firstly, Jose Alvarado of the Pelicans and Thomas Bryant of the heat, the ones that, restarted the altercation after it started to die down. They've each has been suspended three games without pay for leaving the bench area during an on-court altercation and fighting. Uh, the Pelicans, Najee Marshall and Heat's Jimmy Butler have been suspended one game without pay for instigating and engaging in an alter- on-court altercation. And finally, the Heat's Nikola Jovich has been suspended one game without pay for leaving the bench area and entering an on-court altercation. I thought it was interesting he was the other one. Like you mentioned, there was Valanchunas that looked like he maybe would have been there in some capacity. Um, There was plenty of players that were on the court, um, but those were the five that were given suspensions from the league office. And then finally, a injury update for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Guard Trey Young will undergo surgery on a tear of the radial collateral ligament in his left hand, um, I forget which finger specifically, but he'll be reevaluated in four weeks. Uh, and that's where I mentioned DeJounte Murray. He's going to carry a lot more of the load in Atlanta in the absence of Trey Young. Regardless, we're certainly going to wish Trey the best uh, as he works to recover from that injury. Hopefully he's back on the floor um, and able to produce again in no time. Um, but 
that is the latest news from around the league. We've, of course, got our summaries out of the way. Let's go ahead and shift gears and dive into our power rankings. Power rankings. Yes, our latest power rankings. And again, the same for power rankings as with this week's weekly MVP conversation, where we're combining numbers from the last two weeks. Because, of course, uh, a lot of this last week was abbreviated um, and there weren't games on a lot of days because of the All-Star break itself. So uh, weeks 17 and 18 are combined for the power rankings here, as it will be for the weekly MVP discussion why I'll let you lead off um, and some clarification for the differences in teams moving up and down. It's like, well, this team had an off week the last week or two, but they moved up or down, and, you know, and vice versa in Wyatt's rankings. Wyatt is basing his numbers of how much they moved up or down based on the last power rankings, which was uh, a little while ago um, because we just haven't had a chance week to have them 14. on. Yeah, so so it's based off that. It's based on a little bit longer ago. So just to clarify that, uh, if anyone gets confused. But uh, with that out, out of the way, why let's go ahead and hear what you've got uh, for your latest power rankings. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and uh, update you all with my top 10. Uh, I did have some changes, and I, I had one change that I think has been kind of a long-awaited change on our power rankings that – been commented on a couple times and that is the Mavericks uh finally got bumped out of my top 10 they are 11th now in my power rankings and uh they've they've kind of been out of Carson's top 10 for quite some time and I persisted in keeping them there and they have uh finally fallen so uh RIP Mavericks not that they're uh, not that they're going anywhere. I mean, they had a pretty good week last week, three and one, and they could very well jump back into that. They're a good mm. team, but uh, the Knicks bumped them out, and ironically, the Knicks did not have a great, not did not have as good of a week last week. They were one and three, mm. uh, but overall, their performance in recent weeks has edged out the Mavericks, and they've moved into that t- uh, ten spot. Pelicans, they moved up six spots. They were my greatest mover in the positive direction over the last uh, couple of weeks and they're now ninth the suns moved up four spots to eighth the Cavs moved up two to seventh the bucks fell three they are now ranked sixth in my rankings which uh you know is surprising not where you'd expect the bucks to be entering and when we entered this season uh, Clippers did not move. They're still fifth. Uh, you know, they maybe are not quite as hot as they were the last time I did my power rankings, but, uh, still a very solid team. The Thunder, two spots, like we, you know, have mentioned a couple times this episode, they are tied with the Timberwolves as far as record goes in the West. Uh, so they're obviously a top-notch team. I still have them below the Nuggets, uh, but you know there's a couple, there's a couple of teams that they're like I'm I'm just waiting basically for like one more week to mm-hmm. to make the swap, and this is one. The Thunder I could see 
bumping up above the Nuggets. And I think the other one that I was looking at is uh, the Pelicans uh, bumping up above the – no, it was the Knicks bumping up above the Pelicans, I believe, was the other mm. one. Anyway, yeah. uh, and then the Timberwolves are in second. They moved up two. And then Boston, of course, is still in uh, first and have not moved. Other big movers uh, in recent weeks, the Sixers dropped six. Uh, you know, maybe some maybe some growing pains with this kind of new look Sixers and their changes uh, at the end of the trade deadline. The Pacers fell three. Uh, they also, you know, had some decently big changes, but it seems like they're kind of having an upswing now, maybe getting things figured out. Um, and they've moved up to sixth in the East. So, uh, six and four in their last 10 games, I think they're on their way to, uh, climbing the rankings again. Um, but they, they did fall a little bit. Lakers fell one. Uh, Jazz fell four. They were kind of a big mover. Uh, otherwise, you know, not a lot of big movement in my rankings outside of what we discussed. Yeah, for sure. I do want to play antagonist just a little bit here um, because I do. Okay. I understand fully what you're saying with, with Denver being ahead of a team like the Thunder. In terms of still, there's that asterisk of, well, the Thunder, a young team, they're ahead of schedule maybe. Um, so I, yeah. I get that argument. I'm curious what holds you from putting Denver in that same argument ahead of Minnesota, because you could have some of those same um, arguments with the Timberwolves. Yeah. You know, what separates the Timberwolves from the Thunder in that sense of the argument? Right. It was, it was mostly a factor of, I didn't want to put the nuggets ahead of both of the top teams in okay. the West. You know, and if I have to split them, then the Timberwolves, you know, they've beat the Thunder more than the Thunder beat the Timberwolves, right? Isn't that well? They're why this, they're ranked. The season series they're, they're is tied. Not yet it's really yeah, it's only the divisional. Race. It's the division record where the Timberwolves <laughs> yeah. have an edge. Um, so basically, I, if I had to choose one, I picked the Timberwolves because of one ranking. And also, they just have a tad more experience, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Uh, they have a little bit of an older roster, more experienced. Um, playoff experience in the last couple of years um, is fair. And then you could also add, um, they've been they've been at the top of the West slightly longer this season. Uh, the Thunder started yeah, that's true. well enough and then had to rise up. The Timberwolves started decently high, pretty much towards the top. And have kind of held held a spot up there, um, so I think any of those would be valid arguments. And again, I I'm not going against your power rankings. Just think it's fun to, to <laughs> yeah. hear hear more in depth breakdown because again, that's going to be so much of our conversation over the next few weeks is that Western Conference race um, had the power the uh, sure. not the power ranking the prediction um, a few weeks back. Um, I kind of thought the way it was looking is, man, I think this West race, the top four, it could be within just a couple of games up until the end of the season. Um, and it's looking very much that way. It's, it's even tighter now. And so the, again, that's going to be a conversation for us um, moving forward, jumping into my power rankings real quick um, outside of my top 10. I'll, I'll start with one that 
could be art, you know, could be controversial. And I don't blame people if they have a problem with this. Falling out, I have at 11, the New York Knicks falling four spots. And it's maybe an overreaction now. Um, they they just had an off last couple of weeks. But for me, it's really, as we talked about with that Knicks loss um, to the Celtics, the fact is they have key injuries to basically their whole front court. And especially the key acquisition in Nananobi. Um, that, that's going to be the next few weeks that those guys are out. And Brunson is still great, but they're still playing with, you know, a, a shorter hand or what have you. So for the moment, I have them out of the top 10 um, with the hope, though. I hope they can get back in because they have been so great. And so just want to address that. That's why I have them falling out for the moment. Um, around them, I have Mavericks at 12. I think they could be on the up and up uh, like the Pacers at 13 up a spot. Sixers are down three spots for me all the way to 14, kind of similar to what you had. Um, otherwise, not a lot of big movers below that. I mean, Heat Lakers swap spots, uh, Jazz and Bulls swapped. Jazz are down to 20th, which is a little bit depressing for us. Um, then uh, the Hornets moved up ahead of the Trailblazers, you know, Raptors and Nets swap. So some, some, some minor moves there, really. But getting into the top 10, um, at 10, up two spots, back into the top 10, I have the Sacramento Kings. And I said this last time I moved them back in. They've hovered around a borderline top 10 team, but just haven't been able to build longer win streaks to lock in that spot. I'd like to see them do that again, especially with Sabonis in the season he's had and Fox still very good as well. Um, both of them, arguably all-star snubs this season. Uh, Kings are, are still a very good team. We have them at 10 or I have them at 10 at this point um, at nine. I have the Pelicans like you did up one spot. Um, Three and two record, but you know, I like the improvement in Zion's play recently. Um, again, they've been more healthy. I like the Pelicans there at eight. I like the Suns. Um, the talent in you know, Durant, Beal, and Booker is on the floor a little more consistently. The move for Royce O'Neill, I think, is going to be an underrated one to bring him in and shore up the uh, the forward play a little bit because it seems like they might be thin at that type of a position. Um, but Eight for the Suns. I like them there. At seven, moving up one, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they have the potential to be turning the corner at this point with their recent wins. Um, so I have them at seven. At six, the Cleveland Cavaliers falling two spots. And five, the Los Angeles Clippers falling two spots as well. Similar story. It feels weird moving them down because they've been so great over the last few weeks. But they've slipped lately. Uh, with the, the Clippers, I'm concerned about the Westbrook play off the bench, just his drop in production a little bit. And for the Cavs, um, it's interesting the fact that they were hot without Mobley and Garland, and they continue to be hot once they got him back, and now they're sliding a bit. I don't want to start anything with that at all because I think Mobley and Garland are two important parts of their winning. It's interesting. I'm curious... It's probably more just a game planning thing where they're figuring out how to reincorporate them and and get back to the winning ways with those guys back in the lineup. I don't think it's any fault of those players in particular, but I have them down for the moment. Um, up at, into four, the Denver Nuggets, um, just below Timberwolves and Thunder because season long, the Nuggets haven't been as good as those, those two teams, but the Nuggets, similar to your thoughts, I'm more inclined to move the nuggets up more quickly because especially they're the defending champs 
and you got to think they're going to be a threat at any point. So Nuggets up to four, Thunder up to number three, just behind the Timberwolves, both with stellar weeks. Again, the two best teams in the West, they're right there in that mix, and then Boston at one. Um, No surprises. I mean, Boston has been number one for a long time. The last time they weren't number one was week seven for me. Um, So they're holding down that spot. I don't see a time anytime soon where they're going to give up that spot. Um, The only question for them is, would they get complacent at any point in the the regular season? Because I think if they had that, that could be something that would come back to bite them in a playoff situation. But otherwise, they look stellar. They should be, you know, at this point, if you're talking playoff outlook, they would be championship favorites, I would think. Um, they've been phenomenal. But that is my power rankings. Of course, we'll have these posted on our social media pages as well. So if you want to give us your feedback, tell us where you think we're right, where we're wrong, your power rankings, certainly feel free to do that. Um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of those major platforms. But for now, we'll go ahead and shift gears and we'll jump into uh, one of the, the newer segments that we have on the show, our DEF CON levels discussion. We are at DEF CON 1. DEF CON 1. DEF CON levels. All right, DEFCON levels. It's been a little while since we've had a chance to do this. Uh, we're able to do it again. I've got three topics, Wyatt has two. So we'll go take turns back and forth, giving each other a scenario, and the other is going to give us a DEFCON level in terms of their thoughts of that scenario coming true. If you're not familiar with the term DEFCON level, that's a military term. A DEFCON level of five essentially means uh, that they're at peace, that there's not a threat to worry about. Uh, for our purposes, it's that's not a scenario that we think is going to happen. Uh, and then a four would be an elevated concern going all the way to DEFCON level of one, which is red alert, um, threat imminent. And for our purposes, that's, you know, this is almost a guarantee to happen or, you know, we think it could be a guarantee. So that's a quick explanation of that. Uh, again, I've got three topics, so I'm going to start us off real quick. I'm going to start us with the Charlotte Hornets and a game, a team that hasn't been talked about a ton because, again, they haven't been that great of a team this season. Um, Lamella Ball injured again with the ankle. Frustrating to see that, of course, for for him especially, uh, as well as you know the team and and the fans. But um, you know the Hornets have been winning. We mentioned it. They're five and one over their last six games uh, with some trade deadline acquisitions that weren't necessarily big names. Um, they brought in Seth Curry, of course, uh, the Curry lineage, and he's wearing number 30 in Charlotte. Uh, they brought in Grant Williams, uh, kind of took him uh, off the hands of Dallas because they were looking to get rid of him. Uh, they brought in Trey Mann and Davis Bertans as part of the uh, the Gordon Hayward situation. And so uh, with those guys, they've been 5-1. and one. This is probably done a little bit facetiously. Um, but Wyatt, what is your DEFCON level on the Hornets new look <laughs> roster or these new acquisitions being part or pieces of a winning core for Charlotte? Uh, six. Really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think like a five. Okay. You're not even going to entertain this one? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't like Grant Williams at all. Oh boy. Uh I don't think he's gonna be a key core winning guy ever. <laughs> but hey, uh, he was he was on 
He was part of the Celtics roster that was in he the was. finals. He was. And, you know. <laughs> You're not going to give him that? <laughs> I, was he a core part of the Celtics? No. I don't. I, he, I certainly wouldn't say core, but he was yeah. a bench contributor. He was a core bench. Yeah, he was a core bench guy. I, yeah. I'll give him that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I I definitely expect him to continue to be that for mm. you know whoever. He's not a bad player. I just yeah, I don't, I don't like yeah. him for some reason, and I don't think he's ever going to be anything great. Okay. Um, so and again, Curry, I'll, I'll clarify. I when I say this, I don't mean like these are the stars of the Hornets of the future, and they're going right, to be. Yeah. I'm meaning like these are going to be solid pieces. You know, likely bench pieces for a horn, a winning Hornets team. That's more what I mean. Even mm. then, you're probably still not. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not convinced that the Hornets are going to be a winning team. Oof. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I like Bridges. You know, I think he's a great player. Uh, Ball can be great, also. Um, of course, you know, he's been struggling with injuries this year. Uh, Brandon Miller can be good. I don't know. I, I mean, I think they have pieces. I just, hmm. there's nothing that screams success to me. Yeah. Here. No, Something and again, the I... ownership of the Hornets. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, again, you remember that, of course, um, I forget sometimes myself. They did change hands in ownership. It is. Jordan's not involved anymore. Um, but oh, it, right. yeah, but no, honestly with that, I'm glad you mentioned it because it's part of, you know, it, it sometimes is hard to see the Hornets winning um, just because, and I don't mean to try and slander Jordan's <laughs> good name here because Jordan, obviously arguably the greatest in NBA history um, for most, probably the greatest, but as a, uh, an owner and front office guy, not the greatest track record. Um, so I don't know. The Hornets have just been kind of mediocre for a long time. So it is hard to see them winning. Um, so I get what you're saying there. And I've, again, it, it yeah. done a little bit facetiously. Um, it is fun to see them have a, a win streak and have something to kind of, to kind of talk about. And really for the Hornets fans out there, I'd love to see the Hornets do well. I mean, when they came in as an expansion team, they were, you know, notorious for not notorious, but they were the big storyline with the Hornets, you know, as they were brought in and then the, throughout the nineties, uh, especially the, the early nineties, they were consistently a league leader in, you know, uh, attendance and, and selling out games. I mean, they flocked to, to the Coliseum to watch those Hornets. They had fun teams and the fans absolutely loved the team. And, you know, it's devastating that they had the the team move to New Orleans in the early 2000s. I think that crushed a lot of the fan interest um, and a lot of the momentum, really. And so I'd love to see him do well. And I think it's fun, the Seth Curry storyline. Um, I don't blame you for saying DEFCON level five. I'd probably <laughs> say DEFCON level four of like, you know, I think there's an outside chance that Grant Williams and, and Trey Mann especially could be some okay bench pieces. Seth Curry's a little bit older. But uh, yeah, I don't blame you for for having that response. Anyways, longer yeah. response to what you had kind of said, um, but just some context well, behind the thoughts of it. I do think it's interesting too that they made kind of a a move toward success, maybe 
uh, mm. this year, you know, and where they're at, you kind of expect them to just tank essentially, uh, yeah. just set themselves up for next year. So it, it was an interesting move that would be, I guess it'll be fun to see how it plays out. And I, and I gotta, I gotta bring this up now because I was reading an article, uh, Saturday or yesterday recently about uh the NBA and Adam Silver having uh potentially confirmed two new teams uh one really? of those being uh a Las Vegas based team that LeBron James is interested in uh owning uh having recently I don't know how recently became the first NBA player to be a uh, billionaire while playing active uh, hmm. still being an active player so i think there was going to be some heavy sponsorship um coming from his wallet and you know him wanting to be at least involved as a owner or essentially the owner of uh las vegas based nba team hmm. i don't know where the other location would be but seattle i thought that was oh is that what it is i would imagine yeah, that would make sense. I was trying to think of like big cities that don't have one yet, and yeah, that Seattle checks out. Yeah, um, I mean, especially with the bring back the Sonics. I mean, that was such a devastating move. You know, <laughs> Adam Silver has said, "I'm I for sure know this." When the the topic of expansion has come up, he said, "You know, that'll be a future conversation when we get to that point. Seattle will certainly be at the top of the list." Um, and of course, Vegas, okay. we, we know the NBA with the in-season tournament and all these things, they want to be in Vegas. So that makes sense. Right. It's a huge moneymaker. So, <laughs> yeah, I, um, think, I think they had predicted like they would make three to five times the amount per night in Vegas than they do at Madison Square Garden. So that's wild or something like that. Yeah, it was wild. I mean, you picture anyway. fans getting in there like in an arena with the emphasis they have lately on sports betting. I mean, yeah, everyone true. would be on their phone the whole game. Like <laughs> this players, you know, like making parlays and it would be wild. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I know it's a bit off topic, but I initially popped into my mind because, you know, there's the, there's the always going to be that goat debate and, you know, maybe there'll be names that enter that conversation that, uh, to join LeBron and Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see LeBron's uh, effectiveness, I guess, as a owner, uh, you know, maybe GOAT status on that side of the, I guess, the latter, the retired gotcha. stage of the game. Yeah, uh, that would be very interesting. You know where he would, anyway. you know where he would excel, but... Well, he would have a great chance of excelling, but I w- I would worry that he would get bored or like frustrated. If LeBron was a coach, I mean, because he understands the game so well, the problem is he would probably just get so like irritated with his players constantly for like, how could you not see this? Like, just just do this. And <laughs> yeah. but anyways, no, that that would be an interesting thing. I'll add one last comment on this topic before we move on. Um, we talked about Holmgren being a little bit shadowed in the rookie of the year conversation with what Wemby's doing. How about Brandon Miller? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a complete afterthought, but he has had some really nice games for them lately. You know, slight shades of a Paul George esque play style. And so 
I'm really interested to see his development. And again, I'd like to see the Hornets do well. Um, so we'll see what happens with the roster going forward. But uh, anyways, we've, we've left it there. DEFCON level five for why <laughs> level four for me. Why I'll go ahead and turn it over to you for our next topic. Yeah. So uh, for my two topics, I have one player, one team uh, starting with the player, Kevin Durant. What is the DEFCON level of him becoming uh, passing Kobe Bryant to become fourth on the all-time scoring list um, mm. or higher by the end of his career. Doing at least that. That is a good one. Right. Um, and, you know, I kind of was thinking about this when I was putting together our notes <laughs> and saw that fact that he had moved up to, to ninth. Um, and, of course, he's within striking distance of eighth. Um, you, you have to bet that if he didn't have the injury, uh, well, a couple of injuries, of course, he missed most of the 2015 season, uh, the season immediately following his MVP year. Um, (laughs) he missed all of 2020. He missed more than half the year in 2021. Um, he missed 30 something games in 2022, um, played about half the season last year. He's on pace to play the most games he's played since his Golden State, his last season in Golden State, um, which I'm glad to see that turnaround. But he has missed so many games. If he had played those games, he certainly would be, you know, it would be in the conversation, could he pass LeBron? But again, that is so much mileage he's missed. He's 35 at this point, uh, up into ninth. You still figure he's going to move up there. Um, I've got a real quick pull up the leaderboard so I can get a, a clear picture of the ranking here. So yeah, of course, LeBron is more than 10,000 points ahead of him. So he's not going to quite get there. Kobe, he's about 5,300 behind Kobe. Um, I think there's a good chance that he could get there. Um, yeah, you know, I bet you that's, I'll say, I'll say DEFCON level three. I'll split it in the middle. And I know that's a cop out for us sometimes, but it's like Kobe had some injury issues late and he was a bench player the first year or two. So that kind of covers the gap a bit for Durant. But the question mark is, well, can Durant get back to that consistency he had with Golden State and for most of his Oklahoma City days? That I'm not sure. Really, it's just about him being on the floor. If he's on the floor, he's going to score. And he's going to be, I mean, he has one of the the higher, he's one of only a few guys to have at least a 27-point-per-game career scoring average in the likes of, you know, Elgin Baylor, Michael Jordan, some of those guys. Uh, and so he's on the floor, he's going to score. He'll be up in that category. Um, so I'll say DEFCON level three because, it's hard to say. What would your thoughts be on him being able to jump up in there? Yeah, I I don't know. I picked that spot particularly because, you know, it's kind of the – I mean, three seems like a stretch, you know. It's it's kind yeah. of a big gap between Malone the, and – There Ryan. is a gap. That I, I was going to yeah. say. Because you look at, like, you know, it, it's little – it's – you know, smaller steps from, from Shaq to Moses Malone to Dr. J, you know, going up yeah. and then suddenly from Kobe to Carl <laughs> Malone 
it's they're separated by more than 3000 points. So, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, just getting him to like fifth or sixth, you know, seemed like kind of an obvious, like, you know, yeah, based on his current track record, he's like, he's probably going to reach Michael Jordan uh, and pass him for fifth. But then there's Mm -hmm. like another 1400 points to Kobe. Uh, So, I don't know. I I'm kind of with you. I I'm thinking like a two or a three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I lean toward two. In the sense that, you know, I think he wants to get another ring pretty desperately. Yeah. Uh. But you know, I I could be off on that. You know, it's I don't I don't have any knowledge of him saying anything like that. It's just kind of an assumption. You know, obviously he probably does want to ring, but you know, I don't, I don't have a firm grasp on his desperation or his commitment to getting that ring. So, you know, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, you know, gets over it and just decides to retire. But if he's committed to that long, uh, I mean, he already has had a long career, but that, you know, really lengthening out his career, being mm. great for a lot of years, kind of, Kind of following, you know, what LeBron's doing, I I kind of edge toward two. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And um, interesting enough, I would kind of see, I can kind of see the opposite as far as like Durant, if it was like a year or two and he just suddenly wasn't feeling it anymore, like and was tired of the, you know, day to day game to game fan situation. Um, He if he would just be like, you know, I'm good. I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna I mean, retire. I could see that. Too. That that also <laughs> wouldn't shock me, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like I've 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 proved you know enough, and he I, he has he he gets maligned yeah. a lot. He's been easily one of the great players, you know, of our generation, if not of all time. Um, he just gets so much hate. I wouldn't blame him. Some you know, honestly, if he was like I've had enough, you know, every game I've got fans. DMing me and giving me crap about Golden State and and ring chasing and all that. It's like yeah, whatever. Leaving the you, Thunder ever since he left the Thunder. It's been... Yeah, exactly. And you know, I I was one of those, as were most people. I think when he went to Golden State, it's like, what a weak move. Can't beat him. Join him. Yeah. But it's like, especially the state of basketball discourse lately. And I don't mean to be all, you know honorary about it but it's like fans are so focused on how many rings does he have and it's like okay well let me get a ring let me do that and that'll be on my resume and then it's like you know he gets so much hate for it it's like well you guys kind of set that up for him you know so anyways it's an interesting conversation but i can definitely see him you know i think yeah it's certainly within reach for him to join those ranks and that'd be such a testament to his ability as a scorer despite those games that he missed to still be one of the top five scorers (laughs) of all time it'd be very impressive for him to do that um so yeah we'll go ahead and move to the next topic here i have a player as well to talk about here um a little less high caliber of a player or high profile of a player Kobe White, of course, has had a great season for Chicago. The Bulls fans have loved what he's done, um, scoring the basketball, shooting the three. It's been very exciting, even if the Bulls have still been hovering around that play-in type spot. 
Um, but I'm curious about this sale. Let's say that, you know, I think the bulls are on track to probably get some sort of a, either seven through 10 play in spot. Why, what is your DEFCON level on Kobe white being able to lead the bulls to a play in tournament victory? Now, regardless of being able to, to win a, a playoff spot and, and make it that far in the tournament, I'm not even saying that they can win a play in tournament game. What is your DEFCON level on him being able to do that for the bulls? Hmm. Let's see, they're currently ranked ninth, and that would probably be the best scenario to add on to that. Like, let's say they they finish the season at that ninth spot, they would just have to win a game against the tenth seed to have a, a chance at that eighth seed in the final play in tournament game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So, you know, it's a very real possibility that this is where they are, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're 18 games behind. Eighth is the Magic, and they're only 13 and a half games behind. And then the Hawks are 20 games behind Mm. at 10th. And it's 23 games behind for the Nets. So, you know, realistically, it wouldn't be that surprising if the Bulls and the Hawks are facing off mm. uh, for a play-in game. And I'm going to be honest, I think the Hawks have the edge, a healthy Hawks team, mm. uh, especially with Williams recently just getting injured. You know, not that he was a huge factor for the Bulls, but well, he's, he was, yeah, he's a good player. He, he was a them. decent contributor, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to go like a... A four, I think. Okay. I'm leaning toward him, them not being able to get the win. Uh, mm. Just mostly based on the fact that it looks like it very well could be the Hawks that they uh, face off against. Fair enough. And I would echo that with if it is the Hawks, because Trey Young has seemed to have some nice moments in play in tournament games. Um, or at the very least, he did the first year they were in it. Um I would also say, thinking back on it, it hasn't seemed like the last couple of years the Bulls have had tremendous luck in the play-in tournament. And again, Kobe White would be a different factor um, as long as he continues this level of play. Um, but it is kind of hard to see. So I, I think a fair is a fair, a four is a fair ranking there. Thanks. So I would agree with you. Uh, let's go ahead and hear your next topic, your team-related this- topic. Yeah, this is for Philadelphia uh, 76ers. They, um, you know, kind of had a bit of a drop off the last couple weeks. Um, they're three and seven in their last 10 games. They're down to fifth in the East, which, uh, you know, is kind of where they've been for a lot of the season. Mm-hmm. But for a while, they were right there in the top group. So. What is the DEFCON level on this uh like this new look 76ers uh getting up to the top three in the east by the end of the uh regular season? Um I'm gonna say this and it's gonna sound anti 76ers. Uh DEFCON level four. <laughs> um I feel like they have a good shot to end the season 
in a top four spot. I think the fourth seed um, is viable. Um, I think at the very least they'll they'll keep the ship afloat uh, with Embiid out. That's really the big thing. He's out for another few weeks. Obviously, when Embiid plays, they have a legitimate shot to be a top team in the Eastern Conference. Embiid's out, so they're relying on a first-time All-Star and a still very young player in Tyrese Maxey, who has risen to the occasion at times, and other times he's still a little bit young. The roster with Heald, what you're talking about, you know, Heald has helped out their three-point shooting situation, which I think will pay dividends. Um, When Embiid comes back, you have Embiid with Maxey, you add Heald. Again, they have three-point scoring there now. You know, then Tobias Harris, they have Kelly Oubre, who's been, you know, as he has been in a lot of the last few seasons, underappreciated as an offensive producer. And so um, I think they can get up to four um, or at the very least stay at five. But there's so much time they're missing without Embiid. And when he gets back, then it's like, well, he has a new teammate and healed. They're having to re you know, readjust back to what they were doing with Embiid on the floor. Heald is now adjusting to him playing with Embiid. So there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of time without Embiid. So I would say DEFCON level four, it's such a quick turnaround. And the Celtics, Celtics, of course, are not going anywhere. Milwaukee could be turning a corner. And Cleveland and New York have been hot teams lately. So it's a, it's an uphill battle. So I'd say four. Yeah, it's reasonable. What would you say on that? Uh, yeah, kind of right there. I would maybe go three and a half, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it is an uphill battle. You're basically asking, can they pass the Cavaliers and the Knicks uh, mm-hmm. before the end of the season? Which, yeah. you know, like you said, passing one of them, yeah, you know, very well, they, that very well could happen, but both might be a bit of a stretch. Yeah. But I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. You know. Yeah. They I could. don't either. I mean, Nurse has done a good Nick Nurse has done a good job as their head coach, so um they could be in there, but um we'll certainly see on that. We'll go ahead and go to our last topic here, another team related topic. Um and we'll we'll play homers again. We're talking about mm-hmm. the Jazz. Um, but they are notable in that Western Conference mix because right now they're the first team on the outside looking in. Um, Lakers and Warriors at 9 and 10 are holding down the the last spots in that play-in tournament. Um, you have a bevy of fantastic Western Conference teams ahead of them. Um, the Jazz, three games behind the Warriors, one and a half games ahead of the Rockets. Jazz and Rockets are really at this point the only other teams with a shot at the play-in tournament. Outside of them, I mean, the Grizzlies are uh, nearly 10 games behind the Warriors. So Grizzlies, Trailblazers, Spurs, those aren't really going to happen. So the Jazz, of course, they had a recent losing streak. They won last night. um, And they have pieces. I mean, they have a former All-Star in Markkinen. They have a quality head coach in, in Will Hardy. Um, great rookie and Keontae George Walker Kessler has an impact. They are hindered post trade deadline. As we talked about, we don't like a lot of the moves they made. Um, but 
they still have talent. They have Clarkson with the offense and the, the three-point shooting. Sexton uh, has a will for this team in close games. He wants to will them to victory. Um, and the home court atmosphere, you know, we, we'll show our bias. We think we've got a great home court atmosphere, one of the best in the NBA. Um, why, what is your DEFCON level on the Jazz rallying to make a play-in appearance, to, to dethrone one of these teams in the Lakers, the Warriors, or even higher, somehow the Mavericks or the Suns fall out of it? Um, have I waited long enough to not be discounted as a Jazz fan? Five. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Not even gonna yeah. not even gonna go with it. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I like like you mentioned already, like they were struggling already before the trade day trade deadline, save you know, a few uh you know, two or three kinda bright weeks uh mm-hmm. where they had that awesome win streak and were kinda on a tear. Mm-hmm. Um but then they traded away key pieces, you know. Uh, they kind of set themselves up for future uh, further building. Mm-hmm. Like like you mentioned, we have some great young talent already. Um, but, yeah, I don't... Like you said, three games behind the Warriors, who are a game and a... Or, or half a game behind uh, the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think the Jazz are going to rally to uh, get in one of those spots. Um, I think that it'd be more likely that there would be movement within those kind of the 7 to 10 range. Uh, hmm. Maybe the Kings or the Mavericks do drop off a little bit and are overtaken by the Lakers or Warriors, but I don't think either of them will drop off to the point where the Jazz can take them. And I don't think the Warriors will or Lakers will drop off to where the Jazz can overtake them either. Yeah. I, I don't I'm know. A... I'm not saying it won't, like it's impossible, but I just don't think it will. Yeah. I mean, I'm afraid you're right. And I, I'm being, I was a little bit delusional with that pick as far as like, I'm a Jazz, <laughs> I'm a jazz fan and I want to hold out hope that maybe they could get back to, you know, me, a little more meaningful basketball in, in a playoff type uh, you know, circumstance, but yeah, it's a tough road ahead. I mean, the Warriors are a couple games ahead of 500 or above 500. The Jazz are several games below 500. There's a noticeable gap. Um, <coughs> how about this stat? The Jazz have the second worst points allowed per game in the Western Conference. The only team worse than them in the West huh. is the Spurs, um, but they score six points more per game than the Spurs do. So that gets them closer to winning, but defensively they've been not great. I'm confused. Again, I gave Hardy his props, but I'm also confused by him not starting Walker Kessler, but him starting John Collins at center. I don't have anything against John Collins in theory, but Kessler had such a great rookie year. Why not start him at center? You know, it seemed like the natural fit would be marketing and power forward Kessler at center. You have, you know, it would have been Fontecchio, but he's traded now at small forward. And then Keontae George is emerging as the point guard. Felt like they were building a cohesive lineup. But with the way they're doing it now, they have Markinen at the small forward. And then, you know, Collins and also 
Taylor Hendricks is getting more of the feature and he's like a athletic power forward. I don't know what his offensive skill set is because he's hardly played this year. It's just a mm-hmm. weird way to do it. And I'm sure a lot of it is we really don't want to be competitive this season. So we want to have better draft positioning, you know, in the off season, which I get. It doesn't make it easier for us as fans to be like, oh, well, you know, they're losing, but we're, we're taking, I mean, sometimes fans are more willing to accept it, but um, it's like, you know, yeah. don't worry. They're tanking. They're going to get a good draft spot because I don't know and that, that feels weird sometimes, but yeah, defensively they've been poor. The The lineup is weird. Um, the trades were not great as we've mentioned. And yeah, the, the road ahead, it, it's tough to see that happening, especially where the Warriors really genuinely seem to be uh, finding that on switch. They've been a much better over the last week. They've they're finding the new <laughs> contributors and Pajemski and Kaminga. Um, Steve Kerr has the extension now. I don't know. Seems like they're doing better. Lakers, of course, in a late season scenario with LeBron should be good. And so, yeah, I would agree. Uh, pretty much on DefCon level five, I'll give it a four and a half just to. <laughs> hold out that little bit of hope but uh if we're being realistic that's probably where we're at so i think that takes care yeah. of our our defcon levels for the most part so let's go ahead and shift focus to our last main segment for today's uh episode and that is our weekly mvp weekly mvp All right, weekly MVP. Again, this is week 17 and 18 combined. We've had a kind of a longer episode, and uh, we appreciate you sticking with us for this uh, so far. We'll get things wrapped up here over the next five to 10 minutes, hopefully, for you with the MVP. Uh, although it will be a little bit tough. We've got a lot of great candidates. This is a very star studded list of MVP candidates this week. Uh, to start off, we've got De'Aaron Fox, uh, Shea Gildas Alexander, Luka Doncic, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, Anthony Edwards, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Nicole Jokic, and Stephen Curry. So, I mean, basically all all-star level players in the candidate ranks uh, this week. The five of the top 10 or five of the play, 10 players we have as candidates uh, scored 30 or more points per game over the last couple of weeks. Um, high shooting percentages from a lot of guys, big defensive numbers. Um, there's a lot of intrigue with these players. Um, and so it might be a little bit harder for us to pick. I'm going to lean on Wyatt again here as far as uh, the name that jumps out to him first and foremost of these that he thinks would be a great pick for uh, our weekly MVP. Um, uh, I'm I'm leaning towards Shea right now. Okay, uh, He's kind of that first big name that, jumps out to me because you know he's he's right there with Darren Fox as being our top um point getter so to so to speak uh Darren Fox was 32.8 and then Shea was second with 32.3 then he had almost five rebounds per game which was again not quite as good as uh Fox's he had seven 
Uh, assists, he had 7.3 per game. Again, not quite as good as De'Aaron Fox with 7.5. But then his turnovers, he only had two compared to Fox's 3.3. He had 1.8 steals, not quite as good as Fox's 2.5. So I, I know, you know, you're probably thinking like, oh, why is said Shea is the name that sticks out, and then he's just giving all these stats where he's not quite as good as De'Aaron Fox. But um, the the kicker for me, or I guess where this the the script kind of flips, is Shea had 1.3 blocks per game compared to Fox's uh, 0.3. And then, you know, we mentioned the, I mentioned the assist-to-turnover ratio is a little bit in Shea's favor. And then the big one is shooting percentage. Uh, so Shea shot 55.4 from the field compared to Fox's 51.5. Um, the three point, which is the big one, Shea was almost 54 from three compared to Fox's 31. Field, uh, free throw 88 compared to Fox's 73. And then, you know, plus minus, he had a positive 19 compared to Fox's six, which you know, plus minus, sometimes I don't care about it all. Sometimes I, you know, it's interesting. And then he did it in about four minutes less time. And the Hunter were undefeated while the Kings lost one game. Hmm. Both played four games this week. Yeah. No, I think that's all fair. That's probably more in depth than you didn't mind when I, when you said, give me the name that <laughs> sticks out. No, honestly, I'm glad you did because. You 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 made a lot of great points, and I was looking at uh, the stat line. You're comping a lot to Darren Fox. I had a chance to compare to a lot of other stat lines, and um, I have to echo SGA as maybe a top pick as well. I mean, um, one of the top scorers with Fox. Um, great assist to turnover ratio, like he said. Um, he just seemed to have the most well-rounded stat line with an undefeated record high shooting percentages, high plus minus, like he kind of put it all together. And that's what we have a lot of the time with our, our weekly MVP winner. I mean, he's got points. He's got some good rebounds at the guard spot, five, about five a game, um, good assists, but he's defensively impactful with steals and blocks. He's underrated in kind of both those categories. His, his impact there shooting 54% from three is, is great with all those other stats combined nearly 90% from the free throw line. I mean, you just, you compare, there was some guys that stood out in other stats more, you know, Jokic with the, the high triple double average. I mean, Jokic averaged over mm-hmm. five games, about 13 boards and 12 assists a game, which is phenomenal, but His not three as point percentage is the, what killed it for me. Yeah. I mean, 25% from three, not stellar. The defensive numbers, not as good. Um, the free throw numbers and they were three and two compared to an undefeated four and oh. Um, I mean, Anthony Davis was a double double, but same three and two mark. Uh, Tatum was undefeated, but not the same level of statistical impressiveness, uh, combined with that record. Curry was able to get big wins for a Warriors team, but the stats aren't as shiny. Um, you know, I think there's a, a ton going in, in SGA's favor. He has kind of the most well-rounded stat line. I'd certainly be on board for SGA as our MVP. Uh, what are your thoughts, sir? <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I got I got to throw some props toward Giannis as far as uh, an impressive shooting percentage for him. Uh, mm. 
You know, he was 70, 60, and 64, which obviously, you know, from the free throw line, 64 percentage isn't a, uh, an impressive statistic by any means, but it's not bad for him. Uh, and then 60% from the three is great for him. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'll give him some credit there. And Kyrie Irving actually had a pretty impressive stat line all around as well. But uh, these, the uh, assist to turnover ratio isn't quite um, – actually, it might be kind of close to what Shays mm-hmm. is. It was just lower, you know, four assists to 1.3 turnovers versus – Shea's yeah. 7.3 to 2 turnovers. So, you know, they both had some impressive weeks also. But, yeah, SGA's volume and uh, record, you know, kind of really sets him apart. Yeah, absolutely. Should we go ahead and lock that in? Yep. All right. We'll go ahead and do that for <laughs> the combined week 17 and 18. As I'm writing it in, of course, it's a little bit of a longer name to write in um i mean you got to talk about careful with go ahead (laughs) i was gonna say you got to talk about like longest last names in nba history he's certainly in the mix uh but what were you gonna say i was just gonna say we got to be careful about granting him multiple (laughs) mvps run out of trophy real estate (laughs) that's that's true (laughs) <laughs> it is a name that takes up a lot of real estate, but uh, it's it's well-earned real estate uh, for the second time this season. Uh, well-deserved. We want to congratulate you, SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He deserves his full name for this. Uh, you're not too far in OKC. You're in the same uh, division, of course, the Northwest Division. So if you want to hop by in, in Utah, I'm sure you're playing again here at some point this season. Uh, or We're playing you. We can... You know, if you want, you can get in touch with the the Jazz. We can have them ship out the the trophy to you or something, and do a photo op. Um, but otherwise, yeah, well deserved. Congratulations again, and that takes care of the weekly MVP conversation. We'll of course wipe the board clean and get ready for uh, this next week's race. But with that, let's jump into our last big segment, and we'll breeze through this real quick. Our weekly forecast, the big matchups for this next week. Um, <laughs> Just keep in mind, again, all the times that I will list for these games are in Eastern Standard Time. So keep that in mind as you're planning your schedule around any of these games. We'll start on Tuesday. 11 games, a TNT doubleheader at 7.30. It's Celtics hosting the Sixers. And then at 10 o'clock, the Thunder are hosting the Houston Rockets. Uh, Two marquee matchups, uh, especially Sixers-Celtics. Classic rivalry there, especially in the 80s um, and the 60s as well. So should be a great one. And then Rockets Thunder, intriguing. Uh, Thunder ahead of schedule. Rockets trying to get there. Um, should be interesting to watch out for that uh, regional matchup, Texas and Oklahoma City there. Um, your remaining games on Tuesday, uh, three games at 7 o'clock. Wizards host the Warriors. Nets in Orlando against the Magic. And then the Cavaliers host the Dallas Mavericks. At 7.30, two games. Knicks host the Pelicans. And then the Jazz are in Atlanta to face the Hawks. Again, that Jazz game is local access. Either Jazz Plus or KJazz on local Utah cable networks. Uh, then you have three games at 8 o'clock. Bucks host the Hornets. Pistons are at Chicago and the Bulls. And the Spurs are in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. Finally, at 10 o'clock, the Trailblazers will host the Miami Heat. Then we jump to Wednesday, six games total. An ESPN doubleheader. 
the Pacers will host the Pelicans at 730 on ESPN, followed by the Clippers hosting the Lakers at 10 o'clock. Your remaining games on Wednesday, Raptors host the Mavericks at 730. Then at 8 o'clock, the Cavaliers are in Chicago against the Bulls, as well as the Grizzlies going to Minnesota to face the Timberwolves. Then at 9 o'clock, the Nuggets host the Kings. That's a great matchup to watch for on League Pass. Sabonis versus Jokic, the two league leaders in triple doubles this season, but also again that ESPN 10 o'clock matchup. Lakers Clippers, classic battle of LA. Can't go wrong there. On Thursday, there's eight games total. TNT doubleheader there at 7:30. The New York Knicks will host the Golden State Warriors. Curry back in Madison Square Garden. Always something to watch out for there. Also at 10 o'clock, the Denver Nuggets host the Miami Heat in a rematch of last year's NBA Finals. That is also a very intriguing storyline to watch out for. Your remaining games, two games at 7 o'clock, the Jazz in Orlando against the Magic, and then the Hornets will host the Milwaukee Bucks. Again, that Jazz game, local access, Jazz Plus or K-Jazz. At 7.30, the Brooklyn Nets host the Atlanta Hawks. At 8.30, the San Antonio Spurs host the Oklahoma City Thunder. At 9 o'clock, the Houston Rockets are in Phoenix against the Suns. And then at 10.30, the Washington Wizards are in Los Angeles to face the Lakers. Um, Finally, on Friday, there's nine games total. An ESPN doubleheader there at 7.30. The Boston Celtics host the Dallas Mavericks. And then at 10 o'clock, the Chicago Bulls host the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Your remaining games, two games at 7 o'clock. The Sixers host the Hornets. And then the Cavaliers are in Detroit against the Pistons. At 7.30, Raptors host the Warriors at 8 o'clock. Three games at 8 o'clock. Pelicans host the Pacers. Kings are in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. Then the Trailblazers are in Memphis against the Grizzlies. That's the first of a home-and-home series for the Grizzlies against the Trailblazers. Finally, at 10.30, the Clippers will host the Washington Wizards to close off Friday night's action and uh, get us fully ready for the weekend. Tons of games that we ran through there. Talked about a, a couple of the storylines with those matchups. Um, why? Maybe just give, give me one game real quick that stands out. One, if you had to give one of these games to watch, one you'd check out. Lakers Clippers on Wednesday. Lakers Clippers. Can't go wrong. Watch that battle in LA. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I would echo that. If I had to pick a separate one, I would go with that uh, second TNT game on Thursday. Heat Nuggets um, finals rematch. Uh, Both teams looking to have a little bit better footing in their conferences. Heat more so than the Nuggets. Um, Both should be great, great games to watch out for. Um, and uh, it, it's a great week of basketball. Again, we're fully back into the the flow of the season, the the playoff race, the award races. Uh, it's all very exciting. We'll wrap up today's episode with our this day in history fact for you. And we're not going back very far. Uh, February 26th of 2023, a year ago to the day, Damian Lillard set a franchise and career high uh, with the Portland Trailblazers at that time with 71 points tied for the most in the NBA that season with Donovan Mitchell. And 13 three-pointers made for him in the game as well. As the Portland Trailblazers snapped a two-game skid with a 131-114 victory over the Houston Rockets. Lillard's 13 three-pointers were one shy of the NBA record uh, set by Golden State's Clay Thompson in 2018. Again, fits the theme of this season. High-scoring offense has continued to uh, grow and uh, and flower in the NBA, if you will, Um and fun to look back on that again with the the high scoring 70 point games we've had this season as well. But uh, 
that takes care of our show today. Want to thank you again for listening. Uh, that takes care of the you know pretty much everything we had. Why any closing thoughts before we uh, sign off? Uh, no, it's it's good to be back. Sorry, I think my internet's been a little in and out this end of the podcast, but uh, it was a great episode. It was fun to catch up on the All Star Weekend and all the great things that have been happening since the trade deadline. And I'm excited to see, uh, especially in this tight Western conference race, to see how things continue to play out as we approach the playoffs. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's going to be very interesting last few weeks of the season. But otherwise, uh, thank you again. And we will be back with you on Wednesday's episode.